now success isn't necessarily a promotion or money related. It's like, did I do something that people out there are really enjoying or really like loving? And like that for me is what keeps me going. And also like, is there something that I have just, that I just did that makes people say like, I want to come back to her page or I want to be inspired. I'm inspired by her or like, I want to use her as motivation. And when people tell me that, that's like, I'm like, okay, wait, like there's, I have got, I've got something here that like I should run with. Hi there. And welcome to the let's thrive podcast. My name is Emily Feichels and I started this page to inspire, educate, and empower any who listen. Like most people, I'm a curious soul and love to chat with my guests on all things health, wellness, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I hope you'll stick around for a time or two. And with that said, let's thrive. Hi there, and welcome back to Let's Thrive. I'm your host, Emily Feichels. If you're new, if you're new here, welcome. If you're an original, welcome back. I'm so happy to have you. I'm, you know, just your average girl trying to bring health and wellness to the people, to the masses, aka you guys, my loyal or maybe new listeners. I appreciate you all. This is episode 27, and I swear, like, each episode I just keep getting more and more excited to release them, and it's hard to wait between weeks. Besides the, all the work that goes into it, I really would release more if, if I had a team, but unfortunately, <laughs> that's a, that's a far-off dream for now, but we'll leave it at that. So I just wanted to, I'm going to keep this intro short as today's podcast episode with Aaron Morrissey of Aaron Lives Whole is so spectacular, blew my mind. Honestly, she's just an amazing human being. But I wanted to, you know, just hop on real quick and say two things. First, if you did not check out last week's sneak peek of the newest magazine I'm loving, Welcome to It's Magazine by my dear friend Jen from Learning from Balance, then I highly suggest you check it out. It is so informative, inspiring, empowering, everything this podcast is about. I am the, like, opening feature, I suppose, which is kind of neat, and I share a lot about my journey that I've never shared elsewhere. I've had a few of you reach out and tell me you read it, and your words and the messaging you gave me, you know, in response to it were just so heartwarming, and I I appreciate it. I, you know, and also just supporting other women is important to me, so supporting Jen and sharing it on here and trying to get you guys to go and download it is part of me supporting her because she has supported me and we should all support each other as a collective. Plus guys, it's free. It was, you know, a small price before, but she just did some reevaluating and decided that it's free. So just go to the Instagram at welcome to its. I'll have it linked below. You click on the link in the bio and it's a free download and it is so much information from so many creative minds. I absolutely love it. Second, I wanted to come on and preface rather quickly that I know sometimes in the realm of body image and eating disorder recovery that sometimes you just hit a point where you don't want to hear about it any freaking more. I mean, it is preached everywhere and I have those moments. The reason I focused on it so much in today's episode is because, one, to be completely honest, it's been popping up in my life a lot more lately. My body is, (laughs) you know, just healing. It's it's healing, but it it has a lot of complications. And when you're bloated 24/7 and, you know, when you're when you have this disordered view of your body, whether it's from bloat, whether it's just from the way you're feeling, you know, whether it's you know, an outside factor or an internal factor, for me it's, you know, some internal stuff going on. It's just hard. You know, it's hard sometimes to not get sucked back into those patterns. And Erin, today's guest, is such an amazing example of how you can grow out of that. So I know sometimes you don't just do not want to hear about this anymore, and that is okay. I just ask that you give today's episode a chance. Give it a chance because I am certain that something will resonate with you, whether it's about the body image stuff or about her long road to recovery from an eating disorder. Maybe it's the business. Maybe it's the baking. Maybe it's her journey with melanoma, skin cancer. Who knows? But I am certain you will take something away. And, you know, I just, I do want to talk about these things because I know there are still so many of you, myself included, that still struggle with body image 
food freedom, food fear, exercise addiction, all the fun stuff. (laughs) So those were my two tidbits of pre-episode rambling. Now on to today's guest. Erin runs the Instagram and blog Erin Lives Whole, where she focuses on, you know, healthy recipes, but honestly, it's about food freedom. I mean, she doesn't make her page anything about eating disorder or recovery. She has those moments where she shares openly and I adore, but her food and her recipes are just, I mean, they're just made with love. (laughs) I mean, like you look at them and you start drooling because they are so delicious looking. And I swear, every time I'm craving something, she magically makes it. And it's magic, pure magic. (laughs) You'll see if you check out her Instagram at Erin Lives Whole. So we discuss how she got started in health and the kitchen. So she discusses her love of the kitchen from a young age, how over time she slowly started to develop a sense of what health, I'm saying this in quotes, health in quotes means, and how that led into disordered eating, exercise addiction, body dysmorphia, you know, bad body image, and just the mental struggles that come along with that. And we discuss kind of identifying the why behind the disordered eating. And for her and for myself included, it was the control factor, which you will hear us discuss. We go over the healing journey she went through and all the modalities she used, whether they be mental, emotional, or physical ways to heal and really overcome the disordered eating, the, you know, bad habits that were kind of holding her back in her ways. And we discuss different specialists that you can utilize to your advantage and the tools, you know, of therapy and psychologists to work through these parts of the healing process. We also discuss the importance of mental health and I share how, you know, with my own treatment journey, something I have not opened up about yet, I did not receive any mental help, if that makes sense. It was all, you put on this amount of weight and you are free to go. So as you hear me explain in this episode, I really struggled with the mental health part of it. And I think that's why it took me, you know, eight years to recover. And even now I have lingering issues with it still. Erin's journey was very different. And it really goes to show the contrast between us and our stories why mental health is so important to recovery and, I mean, honestly, just to the day-to-day living. I think we could all use some mental health now and again, you know, prioritizing that. Also, we discuss relationships, whether they be with friends, immediate family members, a lover, any sort of partnership, relationship, and how they can be affected during these hard times with disordered eating and any sort of mental health stimulation, trouble, And then we also discuss how to let go of some of those relationships and how to nurture and rebuild and fall back into place in the ones that were meant to stick with you through it all. Then we go into how she healed her relationship with exercise and beat the exercise addiction cycle that oh so many of us struggle from, myself included. I am still there. You know, I oftentimes think how much faster and easier this healing process would be if I just quit exercising. I don't quit, I mean, quit moving. I'd walk and stuff, but if I could just let go of my love for running and high intensity and cardio and hit, but I can't and I'm working on it. What is so fascinating is that Erin shares she took a year-long break from exercising to heal that part of her and those urges to do the crazy intense exercise which is insane. I love when we discuss this part of it. And then we go into her journey with melanoma, which is skin cancer, how she got her diagnosis, which is a rather crazy story, what it taught her, and then also how you can prepare and protect yourself from this, you know, cancer that honestly, I think surprises a lot of people. You don't really think of yourself as getting it until it's too late. So very informative part there. I think a lot of us, especially if you're a younger woman, any age woman, I mean, you could be a guy too. Just, we love our son, but sometimes we need to be careful of it. (laughs) Then we wrap up with what made her leap into the entrepreneur lifestyle, the challenges she's overcome during this time, how she manages her schedule, a day in the life, and how her definition of hard work and success has changed over these past two, three years, which I found to be very inspiring kind of made me rethink my own version of hard work and success, 
which I really needed to do, so I thanked her for that. If you want to learn more about her, find her recipes, just check out what she's all about, you can find her on Instagram at Erin Lives Whole, as well as her blog, Erin Lives Whole. Trust me, you will get hungry if you check this out. <laughs> as usual, you can find me on Instagram at thrive underscore on life. If you like today's show, if it resonated with you in any way, feel free to share it on your story, tag both of us. We absolutely love that. Any messages you send us warm our hearts. And lastly, if you could ever find the time, I know, if you could ever find the time to go on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave a rate and review for the podcast, I would deeply appreciate it. So without further ado, all rambling aside, here's today's episode with Erin. Hope you enjoy. Swooping in real quick to tell you guys about a service I've been loving lately, and that is Hello Wellness. Started by two friends with a passion for health and community, Hello Wellness is an event hosting platform that fosters in-person connections between like-minded health enthusiasts, wellness gurus, brands, bloggers, and so forth. Hello Wellness hosts events nationwide, ranging from fitness classes to health education, inspirational speakers, cooking classes, and so much more. Each event includes amazing swag bags with goodies from all the best brands. Plus, you'll have the chance to meet and connect with other women just like you. Take your love for health and wellness to the next level and snag a ticket for an event near you. Better yet, you can now use the discount code Let's Thrive 15 for 15% off your ticket price. That's right. That is capital L, lowercase E-T-S, capital T, lowercase H-R-I-V-E, 15 for 15% off your ticket price. I am now endorsing and pleading that you travel, explore, and make some new friends all in the name of health and wellness. And heck, if you want someone to go with you, holler on over, slide into my DMs because you know I love my adventure. Now without further ado, let's jump back into today's episode. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Well, thank you so much. I, yeah. I've just, well, I've admired your food for so long. And then since, I mean, obviously like you just sharing so openly, but you do it so like gracefully that I just really connected with that. And I don't know, I just, I've admired you for a long time. And then when I heard you on Cameron from Freckled Foodie on her podcast, I was just like, I've got to have her on. Like you're so, you're just such great conversational like person and I love how you share things so thank you yeah yeah and I feel like there I feel like I mean obviously I always try to say stuff that doesn't like I never wanted to like upset someone I try to share my truth without being like my way is the only way or also like I don't want to like ever like trigger anyone or make anyone upset um but also like I found that by being like authentically me and just like sharing like people like that so much more than like oh, hey guys, like I'm on a, you know what I mean? Like just like putting on a facade that's not me. I like post some, something sometimes and people are like, you're so stupid. Like, why are you saying that? I'm like, and I've gotten like some feedback like that. And I'm like, oh my God, like, okay. But I also don't want to stop being me. It's like, that's the minute I lose my audience. It's the minute I, I'm someone else. Exactly. So. And like I said, that's literally why there's so many people to follow. And that's why I've stuck with you. <laughs> oh, thanks girl. Yeah. Did you, how did you start? Like, is that? Is Cameron's podcast how you found me? No, it was so when I first started, I actually found you on my personal account. So before okay. I was even in like food Instagram, yep. and I think I just found you through like other food bloggers because, like I said, I first found you for your recipes because they look amazing. Thank and you. then I started following you on my food account, which I started like a year ago. And you know, I your posts would sometimes pop up, sometimes they won. Thank you algorithm. And yeah, um, and so then when was it? I just, I noticed that you started popping up more and more. And that's when I started like realizing more and more of your content, like how much I related to it. So I'd say it's probably been like nine, nine months now that I've really like your stuff pops up consistently or I like check back on it. And also, like I said, I told you I did like Brit Berlin's course, 360 healing thing. And when I did that, I don't know that that was kind of like a catalyst for me to realize I really needed to like be conscious of where I was focusing my attention and what I was exposing myself to. And I really did like a big clean out of my Instagram, like who I followed. Yeah. And you were just someone that I obviously kept following. Thank <laughs> so you. Just aligned yeah. with everything I was looking for. So 
That's yeah. a really good point. Like, I feel like I even need to do some of that, like clean out. And I, I'm so afraid to hurt someone's feelings. Like, I'm genuinely so afraid because that's just, I've always been a people pleaser. And I'm afraid that someone would be like, you unfollowed me. But like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the, that's the part that I struggle with. But like, I feel like I could definitely like, and not, not, I don't want to say like necessarily like clean out, but I just feel like there's people that maybe less, I feel less inspired by. And I'm like, or I feel bad. I compare myself or, you know? definitely yeah I mean for me it was not necessarily they were doing anything wrong but I'm just not in a place where when I see their content it's driving like jealousy comparison making me feel down on myself and it's just that's something I've got to work through and then I can come back and follow them like it's nothing against them sometimes so yeah you're right that's a really good point it's tricky Well, all that being said, would you mind formally introducing yourself, giving the listeners, if they don't know who you are, just an idea of, you know, what it is you do and maybe how you got started in this? My name is Erin Morrissey. I am the health and wellness blogger recipe developer behind Erin Lives Whole. Um, I started my account in April of 2017 after I basically just fell in love with, well, I was always in love with reading blogs and I always said I used to like sit on my iPad on my couch for like years and read these mom blogs. And my mom would always be like, what are you doing? Why are you reading mom blogs? But it was just like, I found this snippet of the internet where I just like loved like delving into other people's lives and like they normally have like a healthier trend to them. Um, but then I just realized like, you know what, like I one day want to start a blog. So by April 7th, April, 2017, it finally came around that I decided like, okay, like I'm going to do this for myself. Um, and then at that time, Instagram was also getting popular. So I decided I would do the Instagram along with the blog. Um, but basically my love for, I'd always grown up like cooking and baking and those are like some of my like fondest memories. Like with my mom, I can really picture myself like on a little step stool, like helping her in the kitchen. She always had like my brother and I both like pretty actively engaged in the kitchen. Um, so I just remember that and like I'd always love doing it. And my brother loves to cook. We love we're like a foodie family. Like we love restaurants. We love like trying out like the hottest places. Um, so then I had always like was like you know what like why don't I combine the two my two passions? Like I started getting interested in health and wellness. Um, along with cooking. And so I started Erin Lives Whole. Um, that was kind of a long way around to that. But basically, I'm, I'm, I'm based out of Philadelphia. But I, um, and I've lived here my entire life. I've only gone away once and it was to college and I came back shortly after. So. Well, I love that. Did you grow up with the Easy Bake Oven by chance? Or is I that had, past your time? Oh, I had an Easy Bake Oven. I think I had like, they had like come out with multiple variations of it. And like, it was the best. Like, I don't care what kind of fake crap was in that. It was so good. I was like, so intrigued that I like both could cook my food. And I would think I like started cooking, like, I started making like mini pizzas in it. And like all, they had like so many different things you can make in it too. That's where, cause I'm similar to you in that I started cooking in the kitchen with my mom and we had a step stool that was for me. And you know, my brother would be sitting on the counter and we'd start baking. And that easy bake was my life. Like I was I remember I was like seven years old and we had a birthday party and all I wanted to do was cook in the easy bake for my friends. And that was like, I like begged my mom. That was like our dinner. We just like easy baked stuff. It was hilarious. And so I guess, you know, you start you young in the kitchen and then you keep going with it. <laughs> yeah. They, they need to, I don't even know if it still exists, but they need to bring it back because I'm sure it would be like a super deluxe oven now, you know, honestly <laughs> suitable for college kids. <laughs> exactly. So you mentioned that, you know, eventually you got your love for food and cooking intervene, you know, intervene, whatever with health. So where does your journey with health begin? Is that something that you developed young, you know, maybe that middle, middle school, high school age, or where did that really start to appear in your life? Yeah. So I grew up, I always, I was always playing sports. Um, but I always say I was not the top athlete. I was always the okay athlete. I played every sport and I was okay. Um, in my, my parents just like got there and try. And growing up, we, we were a very a typical, like average American family. Um, we had casseroles for dinner. We had with a side of veggies, we ate ice cream. We, I think I had dessert almost every night, but I had to finish my dinner. Um, my mom cooked for us pretty healthy, but also like, like just, I don't, I, I would never say I ate very healthy growing up. I ate like a very basic diet, carbs, 
uh, protein, fat, you know, like my mom just like would do a bunch of different things. So we were kind of um, exposed to health at like a young age, just like to be the conscious of what we were eating. But then as I got older and I got more independent, I kind of like threw that by the wayside and then I went away to college. And so I was never really like super into health food. Um, and I kind of stopped doing sports at that point. So when I went away, I kind of, like they say, when you go to college, there's a freshman 15 and I definitely did that. Cause I just like, I stopped playing high school sports. I stopped, um, I stopped necessarily like having meals cooked by my mom. Um, and so I wasn't always interested in it. And then it kind of took me through like halfway through college. And I was like, wow, like I don't feel that great. Um, I really think I need to change some of the things in my diet and maybe start like doing some exercise. So I started running and I remember some of my fondest memories. I went to Penn state. And so some of my fondest and earliest memories of running were me like running around campus. Um, and like, just, I remember being after like a mile being like completely toast and my dad's a runner. So I texted him and I was like, dad, like I just ran a mile. Like, I can't even believe it. Like I was just so proud of myself for a mile, you know? And, um, but then I like really started to like, maybe be a little more conscious about what I was eating. Um, I, at that point had lived in an apartment at Penn state. So I was able to cook for myself. Um, and I kind of like got like a high from doing it. Um, and I realized like, wow, the more I exercise, the more health, like the healthier I eat, the more people are complimenting me on how I look. And so, I mean, I know we can, we can get into it if you want to talk about it, but like I kind of took it to an extreme. Um, and so there was some, definitely some, I mean, I'm, to, I'm totally comfortable talking about it, but there's some ramifications that I suffered from that and actually ended up, I had to leave college for that. So there's, I think that I like had never, I mean, to answer your question, I had always kind of had health in mind, but then like, it was never, I've never had any pressure from my parents. I never had any pressure from outside forces until I really like midway through my college when I kind of put that pressure on myself. Do you think it was, do you think you were kind of in this, you know, disordered relationship with food and exercise because of like look wise, or was it something that more so of a control factor, like something fell out of control in your life and you kind of liked how, you know, it gave you that grasp, that control of, oh, wow, I'm, I am in control of my body right now by doing these actions. Yeah, I totally think it was more control for me. And I, and part of that was because when I went to college, I never really knew what I wanted to do growing up. I never had any idea. And at the point, like midway through my sophomore year, all of my roommates knew what they were doing. They were set in their ways. And I felt, I remember calling my mom, like outside of uh, one of my college classes and being like, what if I try this? Or what about this? Or like, what about PR? Or what about like, what if, why don't I do like psychology? And it was just like, it was clear that I was so unsure of what I wanted in my life. Um, and I'd also actually gone through a pretty like traumatic breakup that I was really affected by. Um, and it really made, I feel like it made, um, I felt really out of control in that situation. So I started realizing that like, oh my gosh, I have control over how much I eat, how much I exercise, and then how it makes me look. And I can, can put all my energy there. And, and it wasn't a when, a lot of times when you're in that situation, you're not thinking. I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm going to control my food. I'm going to control. Now looking back on it, I realized that's what I used as a method of control. So I would like completely like limit myself to this. And it made me feel like, it made me feel like empowered almost, you know, until it got too far when I basically then had to like give up all of my control. So it kind of like backfired on me, but you don't see it necessarily in the moment. Yeah. And thank you for sharing because I know I didn't realize that epiphany moment of, oh, wow, I'm doing this as a control factor until I heard someone share their story. And all of a sudden it clicked in my mind. Wow. <laughs> that's what yeah. this is. This, that's what this all fundamentally comes down to. And, you know, once I did have control taken from me in one way or another, that's when it almost got worse, you know, because it was kind of like from one extreme to the next and you just kind of end up going back and forth. So when you're in the thick of that, how did you find your way out? I know you had some intervention come in. Would you mind sharing, you know, how that went down and how, how it helped you ultimately in the end? Yeah. So at first it, it wasn't very clear. So it wasn't very clear that there was like an eating disorder involved. I kind of, my first step was going to a therapist um, and she was just a therapist at Penn State. She was awesome. She was my, she was like my gateway into getting help. 
Um, and then she kind of put it together like, oh no, there's a bigger issue here. So then I had gone to see nutritionists and a lot of the work that you do when you um, are in the early stages of eating disorder, you don't really, you're not ready to give it up yet. You're not ready to give up your control. So it's hard. But then I basically had seen, was seeing a therapist and a nutritionist at school. Um, and then I had actually seen a psychologist as well who put me on some medication um, which I was totally fine with because I was kind of at this point where I had to like maybe give up some of it to give up some of the control, um, and anything that would make me feel better. Cause I knew I didn't feel good. I knew I didn't feel good. Um, so then after about like a few months of doing that, I was not, I was rapidly losing weight and it got to the point where my doctor at Penn state had recommended that I go to this place called the Renfrew center in Philadelphia. Um, and they have outpatient treatment and they have inpatient treatment as well. And I remember her being like, what are you talking about? I do not have an eating disorder. Like, like that was really the first time those words were thrown, thrown out there. And I kind of thought she was crazy. And then the, I'd, I finally like came home from school because it was clear to both my parents that I was struggling and my parents have always been pretty actively involved in my life. I'm thankful for them. Um, but they basically asked me to come home and said it was time. And I finally said, you know what, you're right. I'm ready to come home. I need to do this. Um, so then I like went to an, I agreed to go to an intake appointment at the Renfrew Center. So slowly I gave up some of my control and I went to this appointment and they basically said to me, you actually need to be emergency roomed to the hospital right now. Um, and then you're going to go directly to our inpatient treatment. And my life, I went from walking around miles around campus, being a normal college student one day, to the next day at um, CHOP, which is Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, which I was there for 14 days, basically trying to get my heart to keep beating. Um, and then I went, I ended up, I was in CHOP for a little bit, and then I went to the Renfrew Center, which was an inpatient center. Um, and I was there for like a month, and it changed my life. Um, it's, it's really hard because a lot of it's mental. So while sometimes your physical body changes or your physical, whatever, your, your mind's still not there yet. So I really had to work on the mental aspects of it because while they were trying to get me healthy physically so that I could live, um, I had to get healthy mentally as well because that, you know, if, if I don't stop the mental thoughts. So I spent a lot of time over the next like two years really with therapists and nutritionists and just like with like having, making myself busy and keeping myself with friends and remembering my why um, before I could really realize that like I needed to recover in order to be all the things that I wanted to be one day. You know, so how important is mental health to you now? Because you, you are right when you were saying that mental health is almost the biggest part of it because that's where it all, that's, you know, obviously where most of it stems from. And I know for me personally, the treatment center I went to did not give me an ounce of therapy. It was all physical and it was all basically once I gained a certain amount of weight, I was able to leave. So I was the best damn patient they ever had. I got out of there so fast, came home and my mind was a battlefield. Like, and that's what launched six more years of basically orthorexia. You know what I mean? Because I never worked on the mental part. So what do you, you know, what did you do besides, was there anything you did besides therapy to help improve or help work on your mental health? And then is there anything you currently do now even just for day-to-day maintenance of, you know, maintaining a healthy relationship with your mind? Yeah, totally. So I went on to do therapy for multiple years after, and I, um, just, re- I, like, I, 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 graduated, I said graduated, I got like stopped therapy, like, um, probably like a year and a half ago. Um, but I always keep that door open and I never say if I ever, if I'm feeling like crap or I want to, I am the first person to be the advocate to be like, Oh, I, I need to go. I need to go talk to someone. Um, so that door's always open. And I like, rem- I think always say that to myself, but also like I, I credit as crazy as it is. I, I started dating someone and I dated someone who like does not care about looks, does not care about anything like that. And it's, it's hard. You can't, I can't tell people to go out there and find someone to fall in love with, but having someone else or, or just having something else like 
take my mind off of my thoughts all the time has really helped me. And so I credit a lot of it to him and like our, our wanting to adventure together and to explore. And so that's been really helpful. So like even just having him on a day-to-day basis really helps me. But even for the people who maybe don't have something like that, it's just like, I found that by telling people in my life that like, this is my situation and I need you to help me like hold me accountable for it. Like those are ways that I am able to check in with my mental health because people will know if there's a period of time when I have a week and I'm just sad that there's someone out there looking out for me and that I'm not just going to stay sad and that I have someone, even if it's like, I don't, I want like in my head, I want to just be sad. I'll have someone like my mom or a friend or someone who's just like, you know, like, let's go do something. We got to get you out of this. Like, and I also just think that like that I know there's, there's stigma around mental health. And sometimes I have to catch myself because I even realize myself being like, like automatically like a judgmental thought. And I'm like, no, like everyone is going through things. Like we have no idea what they're going through. Um, I, I think that there, I wish that therapy could be free for everyone. Um, and I just know that there are so many resources now. And, and I, and I think that there's so many resources through the internet and there's through blogs and through, um, just, places in your local community where you can go and get therapy now. And it's just like, there should not be like a stigma around it. You know, it's like, we, we have to do these things. It's like, you would never really tell someone who's really, really sick to not take their medicine. You know, you, it's the same situation. You would never tell someone with mental health not to go see someone. And I think when people see others that they are inspired by or that they admire, you know, such as someone as yourself, whom a lot of people do look up to you. When they hear you talk so positively about therapy, I feel like that just opens the gateway to allow them to feel comfortable trying it out or to look into it more. I know, you know, I, I was prompted to finally check out therapy for the first time this year because a few of my role models like started talking about their experience with it. And I was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe it's time I remove my own stigma about it (laughs) and give it a try. So, you know, thank you for sharing that. And something I wanted to backtrack on when you were talking about like relationships and finding someone to lean on, did you have to work to, you know, heal any friendships or family relationships from the time when you were in, you know, those darker times to afterwards? Was there, you know, anything that you had to do to rekindle that, you know, relationship between you guys? Yeah. So when, when, when I was like really sick, I basically, um, became very introverted and I didn't want to do anything. I didn't, I mean, that's a very common symptom. I didn't want to go out with friends and granted I lost a couple of friends along the way, but my friends understood and they, um, kind of, kind of said like, I'm here for you when you're ready to talk. And I'm lucky I did like, I did lose a few that I've just like, just felt like, like not, nothing happened. We just grew apart. Um, but also those friends that I had are still some of my best friends. And they also like, there was times when I would have, they, my therapist would be like, why don't you bring your friends in? Like, we should all talk. Like we should all. And I thought about doing that. I thought that was a really good idea, but then things kind of just like work themselves out. But I just thought like even having them so then they can understand my point of view. Um, but I've, I did have some friendships that, um, I haven't like rekindled the, the, but I'm kind of like, you know what? That's okay. Because maybe there's a time and place down the line, but also like I have the people in my life who stuck with me by my side. Um, but then also even with what I think about my parents, they still to this day have trust issues with like, like my mom's like, like she'll, I mean, I, I literally feel the greatest I've ever felt just like physically and like mentally. And she'll still ask me like, did you eat breakfast? Like, like she's still, and I don't, I think it's just because she was so worried for so long. So, but my parents have, I'm very thankful to have parents that have been very actively involved. Um, at some points I was very unhappy with them being actively involved because then I would go home and I lived with them. So it was like, they were breathing down my neck. I actually had, I did like a, like a sort of program where basically my mom like cooked all of my meals for me. Um, and I had like a hands off, wasn't able to touch any of the food myself. Um, so that definitely puts like a tough spot in your relationship, but now it's like, it's very, they're they're very trusting of me and it's, they've seen how hard I've worked to come here. But honestly, I feel like all of the relationships in my life now are very, are there for a reason. And these people know what I've, everyone knows what I've been through. I'm very open about sharing it. 
um, my boyfriend came into to my life at a time when I really had just begun my deep healing. Um, and it definitely was a catalyst for me. Um, and I definitely think that that really helped get me back to what, like norm, normal where I am now. Um, so yeah, so it's been interesting, the whole like friendship relationship, but I've also, as crazy it was, I made some really, um, important friends at the treatment center as well, which was really cool. No, and it's beautiful how those things work out, you know, like the people that are meant to be in your life stay in and the people that sometimes just aren't meant to be there, they just kind of find their exit and, you know, we let them go and we move on. and. Something I, you know, think a lot of people also struggle with beyond healing those relationships is coming back to a place of enjoying exercise and movement and seeing it as simply moving your body instead of as a means for X or Y. So how did you heal your relationship with exercise and come to a place where you can move your body because it feels good and you know when to rest and you know when to respect your body's needs too? Yeah, that was probably one of the biggest things for me because I was very obsessed with exercise um, and I felt like I had to do it at all costs, um, no matter where I was on vacation. And the hardest thing for me was taking time off. And so one day I just, my body was so tired and achy. I remember my legs hurting in bed and, and with the help of my therapists and nutritionists, they were like, why don't you just take time off? And I, and Honestly, I think that I was able to heal my relationship because I took a full year off of exercise. I took a full year off. And that's a long time for someone who's addicted to exercise. Um, but it's not a long time after. Like, you, it gets easier. Like the first month might have been the hardest, but then I was like, this is my new norm. I don't just don't do it now. So I took a full year off from exercise. Um, and then I was able to reintroduce it. And I said like, okay, I don't, when I, this comes back, I don't want to get re-obsessed with it. So I'll start off slow. So I did like a couple of days a week. Um, but then now it's like, I wake up and if I want to work out, then I will. Um, a lot of the times I do it because it makes me feel good. Like it actually makes me feel good. And I don't go into it. Like I need to go in there and just like get super sweaty and super exhausted. Now that I've, I go to classes a couple of days a week. So I do a couple of different things I've learned. I've learned how to like lift weights I've learned how to do things like yoga. Um, we have, I live in a city, so there's a lot of opportunities here. Um, but even just like finding something else that, that just like clears my mind or like doing like doing something that isn't like, okay, I have to go in to get a specific result. You know what I mean? So it's been, it's, it's, it's possible to heal your relationship. I thought I would never be able to exercise again just because I was so like, so obsessed with it. But I really, I mean, I, it's hard to take a year off and it sounds daunting, especially to someone who is, super invested in their exercise, but it, I honestly saved my life. It's like you said in the beginning, when you first found that joy in running, it's, it's like you then got to a point where there wasn't joy in it. You know, it was, it was a means for an end. So taking that year off, I can only imagine how beneficial that would be. Like now you've got me thinking, <laughs> yeah. especially like giving your time for your body to reset hormones to re-regulate, everything to fall back into place and then approach it again with that from that place of joy. I want to do this because it it gives me energy and it keeps my joints, you know, loose. Like that is a truly beautiful thing. And I think that could help a lot of people actually. I never considered, you know, that long of a break, but I can see immediately why it would be so beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's definitely like it it, it can be hard. It seems like super daunting, but also, like, I, I kind of knew that if I didn't do it now, like, what I also, like, there was certain, yeah, like you said, a like hormonal, like, there's certain things that, like, I know that I want to be a mother one day, and, like, at the rate I was going, I was never going to be. So it's just, like, there's so many things that I had to think about and, like, put myself first. Um, and what, I was like, what would I tell someone else to do, you know? Exactly. And I kept getting, I got injured, too, a couple of times, so I was just, like, obviously, my body is probably not very happy with me right now. <laughs> Honestly. And so in the midst of all of this, would you mind sharing when your journey with melanoma occurred? And I remember that was, I do remember when like that all happened with you and I was just kind of shocked, I guess, you know, like I just, I had heard melanoma once or twice in my life, you know, maybe an aunt had mentioned it or something, but I never really understood it or anything. And then when that occurred with you, it really brought it to the forefront of my mind. And 
So I'm just curious if you wouldn't mind sharing your journey with it, you know, maybe explaining what it is and yeah, what, what happened? Yeah. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, I am a fair skinned, freckly redhead. So it's kind of not super shocking, but I, I always wore sunscreen growing up and then I got into high school and I wanted to go tanning for the prom and I would was tired of being the palest girl. Um, so I went tanning despite my parents' dismay and saying, you, we don't want you to get skin cancer. Um, and so I guess it was like a year and a half ago, I was like, you know what? Like I need to be an adult and I need to go get my skin looked at. So I'm 26 now. So I think it was when I was like 24, I decided like, okay, I need to go get my skin looked at just because like I needed to start checking off all of those appointments that adults do, not because I was worried about anything in particular. But I started going, and the first time I went, they had removed three spots, which is not unusual. Um, a lot of times, they just remove things just to go get them looked at. Um, and a lot of times, the things come back that they might have gotten it all or that there was nothing wrong with it. Um, and no further action needs to be done. So I, I went back, and then I ended up having to go back like every six weeks for more stuff that they found or I found because I got to know my body really well over that year. Um, and so it was just like little things, maybe something that required like one or two stitches, but no, no further work needed. Um, but then in last fall, um, last October, so October, 2018, I was, I noticed there's a couple spots that I hadn't seen before. Um, so that's common if you see, I mean, as you get older, you get new spots, like everyone does. So it's fine, but you just have to make sure that they don't look different or something. And I noticed a spot on my leg that was never there before. And so I made an appointment with my dermatologist who I'd gotten to know very well at this point. Um, and she was like, yeah, that doesn't look, that doesn't look right. Um, so they took it along with like taking like three other little spots that day. And it came back that they needed to take more. And so I got nervous because that's the first time that happened to me. So then they, what they do to take more in these spots, it's so interesting because the spot was as big as like the um, tip of a pencil. So it's pretty, pretty small, but it looked different. So like, while that is tiny, it's still noticeable to the eye. Um, and so then they took more and then those results came back and it was a Friday and I got a phone call from my doctor and she was like, hi, Erin, I just want to let you know that um, can you please give me a call at your, early, at your earliest, whatever. So then I called her back and I called her back immediately. And she said that I had, mel they had found melanoma in my leg. And my, of course my thoughts immediately go to the worst. Um, and I was panicked. Um, but then that, so that Friday she, I talked to her and I like, actually I was 25 and I had my dad get on the phone with her too just because sometimes when you I, I was like I almost like blacked out like I didn't really take everything in so I wanted to have like someone else like listen to what she was saying um and so then basically what it came down to is that I would need to go um get surgery to to try to remove all of it um and I was supposed to go on vacation that next week so it was a Friday and I was supposed to leave on a Tuesday for vacation for a week and I, I said I'm not I can't go on vacation like I have melanoma I can't go on vacation and so I called her on that Monday. It was horrible. That was a horrible weekend because I was just like Googling everything and I was really upset. Uh, but then I called her on that Monday and she said that I absolutely had to go on vacation because the one thing is that with melanoma, it does not spread super quickly. So they are very hopeful that it would just stay in a contained area and that they can remove it all through excision. So I was still very nervous, but I decided to go on vacation. And then when I came back, um, I had scheduled my surgery appointment. So I, I had, I got surgery at university of Pennsylvania hospital and it was just like Grey's anatomy. I got scrubbed in basically. And I was actually awake during the surgery, but they took about probably like seven or eight inches off through my leg, um, removed it and, and stitched it back up. And then after that, the test came back that they cleared the margins. So basically they took enough and that they don't think it had spread anywhere else, but it was just a huge eye opener for me that I, that the sun is very powerful and for something that I can control. And if I'm so passionate about my health and my wellness, and then I need to wear like skin protection as well. And granted I have fair skin, but just for anyone, it doesn't, doesn't discriminate. Like anyone can get melanoma. 
Um, so now I'm like very into wearing hats and sunscreen and I wear some, try to wear sunscreen every day because just cause it's like, if I'm outside in the sun, I don't really want to get sun exposure. So I just have to go get a spray tan if I want to be tan because, because I'm never going to be tan by the sun again. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, so it's, it was definitely a really scary experience for me. Um, there was a lot of fear because I didn't, a lot of times they have to do some like lymph node testing. Luckily I didn't need to do any of that, but if I were to get it again, I would have to go in for deeper testing, but I'm very, very lucky that it was all to be like, it was all taken out by excision. Well, yeah. And I mean, anybody hears the word cancer and immediately alarm bells go off in our head and because you never think about it being something that can, now I say this lightly, not fixed easily, but right. something that, you know, one surgery can, for the most part, take care of it. And then it's preventive, you know, keeping it from reoccurring or anything. So I can't imagine. And I, yeah. I give you credit for going. I mean, I would have gone on the vacation too, but I can't imagine you know, the anxiety, you know, I, I would have had, and I'm sure you had. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was super, I was super uncomfortable going on vacation just because I wanted them to get it out right away. Cause it's that feeling. It's like, it's in my body, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and right when I heard the words that I had melanoma, I immediately thought that I was going to have to be getting chemotherapy. Um, and I thought it was going to be a whole long procedure. And that whole weekend was, I, that's what I thought. And I, it was a Friday when they called me. So it's, I called back at like two on a Friday to get more information and everyone had gone for the weekend. And I'm like, this is a really tough situation to be in right now. Um, and I remember my mom being scared and my parents are fairly strong people. And when you see like fear on your parents' face, that that's scary. Um, cause I think she didn't really know either. And I don't think she meant to scare me. She really tried hard not to, but it's scary. I mean, I'm their daughter too. So it's like, there was a lot of fear. Um, but when the doctor had said like, you 100% need to go on vacation, I told, I expressed to her my concerns. She said, she says nothing will change in a week. She's like, you need to go. So I was able to go and I did have a good time. Um, I felt better after like talking to her and her hearing her. She was like, oh, absolutely. You need to go. So what would you say is like the biggest lesson you learned from that, you know, those anxiety ridden weeks with the scare? Like what it, what did it teach you about yourself or maybe about your views on life? Um, I just feel like I have just realized that like, besides the fact that everyone's going through something and that you don't know, I just feel like I've learned how to be like, there are so many worse things in this world. And like when I'm upset that I didn't get a brand contract that I wanted, or if I didn't get, I didn't get something that I wanted, like this so minuscule and small, I'm like, wow, I've been through a lot. Like I've been through a lot with my health and my mental health. And it's been a journey. And I know I've seen the lowest lows in my life. And so when I'm like thinking, I'm like, you know what, like there, there's so much worse out there. And it's like, this has taught me like, okay, I have melanoma and it's awful, but there are also people who have melanoma and it's spread really far. And it's like, I have learned just like, there's no reason to not be like happy and to just be like, this is my life and I have to live it to the fullest. And I can't sit here and have regrets about the things that I did in the past or just, just try to like live my life and just know that like, you know, every day is truly like a gift. I, Absolutely agree with you. And I love that. I've similar to you, I've just had how things pop up. And obviously, like at times they bring bring me down, <laughs> you know, if you let yourself get sucked into that. But then all it takes is reminding you reminding yourself that there is much worse out there, you know, and that it's almost it's a learning experience. Like you would not be, I guess, probably taking care of your skin as much as you are now, if not for that. And then who knows if it would have been worse, you know, as you got older if you hadn't you know, caught it in time. And, you know, so that being said, are there any like specific tips or, you know, recommendations you have for people on protecting our skin, you know, uh, decreasing sun exposure in damaging ways, I suppose? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, no matter what, like, it doesn't matter who you are, everyone needs to go get an appointment and get their skin checked. It's just like, it's like almost like one of those things, like you never want to go to the doctor. But, and I get that. And people are afraid of the doctor because people are afraid of hearing the worst, you know, but it's like, uh, that, that appointment 
could have saved my life. It could have saved my life. So I'm like, everyone needs to go to the doctor, book your dermatologist appointments now. Um, it's just, it will also give you peace of mind too. So if you go and everything's fine, then you don't have to go back for a year or two years. Um, but then also like I am big on wearing some sort of face protecting stuff every day. So even in my, my daily moisturizer, it doesn't smell like sunscreen. It doesn't smell like anything. It has an SPF in it and I put it on every day and then it just be like I'm putting on a face lotion. So it was really easy. Um, I also like, we do lots of weekends down at the shore. So I just, I got an umbrella. So I am under the beach or under the umbrella at the beach, which honestly I had for Labor Day weekend or um, Memorial Day weekend. And all my friends take, took turns like coming underneath it with me because they loved it. And it was like cool under there. So I was like, yeah, see, it's great. Someone needs to have an umbrella at the beach. Um, but also just making sure like I didn't have to wear like a full body suit to the beach. I just wore a lot of sunscreen. I stayed under the umbrella. I could still be in my bathing suit. Um, and it was very normal, but it was just like, I have to take these preventative measures. So it's like, honestly, just like, just do the things that are easy and preventative and you should be okay. I love that. And it's easy enough. It's honest. Like it's one of those things you do it enough times. It's just going to become part of your daily routine to add, you know, that SPF lotion or to grab your hat or something. So I love that. And so it was before that, or so, okay. So when in this timeline, did you leave your, you know, job, corporate job and start Aaron lives whole full-time on your own businesswoman? Yeah. So I, so I, so Aaron lives whole, as I said earlier, started April, 2017 and I left my corporate job in May of 2018. So a year after I started basically. Um, and then, um, that was like, so it's been, so what's now, so it's a year and a half since I almost like year and a half since I left my corporate job and, um, it's been a lot of hard work. Um, but I so then, so melanoma did happen like in between all of it. So I've had a couple of different like roadblocks in the way. Um, and it's, that's kind of, it's just been like the season of life for me. I'm like, okay, maybe like, like people are just like throwing all this at me right now. So that like, see how I can handle it all. Um, but so it's been like a year and a half to left my corporate job and it's been, um, the scariest year and a half of my life, but also the best year and a half of my life. Um, I love it. I've never worked harder in my life either. Like I, I work a lot. Um, I try to separate, you know, give some work-life balance cause I do preach that a lot. Um, so I'm definitely, I definitely do have my fair share of fun. Um, but it's, it's a lot of work and it's being an entrepreneur is something that I never really saw for myself. Um, but I guess I, when I think back to like my unsure of what I wanted to do in college anyway, there was never really like this, it all kind of makes sense to me now. Like maybe there was something like a bigger path for me, a better plan. And so you mentioned you have never worked harder. How has your definition of hard work and success changed you know, since you left corporate and started on your own? Yeah. So success for me when I was working in corporate was like getting my boss to say, you did a great job. Um, I thrive off of um, praise and I thrive off of someone telling me that I'm doing the right thing because I'm always like looking like, I remember being in corporate being like, was this right? Is this right? Like, did I do this right? Um, And success was getting that approval and that, that like getting a promotion or getting like the, great job from your boss. Um, so when I left, I had no one else, I had no one now to give me that praise. So that was the hardest thing for me to realize, like, how do I define my success? Like, how do I say like, Oh my gosh, Aaron, you did a great job. And I still struggle with that. I'm very open about that. Like I, it's really hard for me to be like, okay, that was really good. Like you did a really good job or like, okay, maybe you could have done this better next time. Um, there's definitely, it's definitely easier for me to be hard on myself but I found that I am just a person that needs to share. So like I have a few close people in my life who I tell everything to, like every brand contract I get, every, like any partnerships I get, any like new posts that I do um, that kind of give me that feedback that I want. Um, And that's kind of how I've been able to like, just like continue to push forward and be like, okay, like I know that this is all of me, myself and I, but like, I need some sort of like outside like approval just because I know that's how I am. Um, or outside, like even just like I'll run ideas by people and hear what they say. Um, so having that core group has been really helpful to me. Um, but I also like now success isn't necessarily a promotion or money related. It's like, 
did I do something that people out there are really enjoying or really like loving? And like that for me is what keeps me going. And also like, is there something that I have just, that I just did that makes people say like, I want to come back to her page or I want to be inspired, but I'm inspired by her or like, I want to use her as motivation. And when people tell me that, it's, that's like, I'm like, okay, wait, like there's, I have got, I've got something here that like I should run with and do this. And that kind of has like helps me to like share and be open about my struggles. And, and that's like how I define success now. I, I feel that so much. And even, you know, on a smaller scale with me, I, I was the same way, like in high school, all throughout school, I was constantly seeking validation, praise, you know, for what I did, what I was going to do. And even like when I started the podcast, I, to this day, I get so down on myself that I'm not like doing more or reaching this standard, whatever. And then I have like that, like you said, that core group of people who just constantly remind me like why I'm doing this. Or I'll get a message from someone saying they listened to an episode and it made them think of this and this, and they started, you know, going to therapy, whatever. And that just like brings it home. And I'm sure it's the same for you. Like, yeah, the the banana bread might not bring you tons of money, but then you see hundreds of people remaking it. Or someone says that it was like the first, you know, healthier food that they got their kid to eat. Like that has to bring such like validation, I guess, (laughs) you know, like a different sort of validation to your heart of like, I'm on the right path. I'm doing something good. I'm making an impact on people's lives. I mean, that is what you're doing. So I love well, that's, that. And I, and I love, and I like love that. Like the very first time, like I remember one of my recipes, like someone made it and it was, they were from like Portugal or something. And I was, and like, that was the first time I'd seen it in like another country. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I remember running to my dad and being like, dad, like someone in Portugal just made my, I would say it's banana bread, made my banana bread. And he's like, wow, that's really incredible, Aaron. And then I was just like, wow, like that is so cool. And now it's like, I like live for, for like, and, I, and I'm not out here trying to get people. I don't, I'm not like looking for someone to everyone to blast me on their social media and like this is just gives me fulfillment from this from some one little person in Portugal to make my thing and to share it with me and it's just so cool you know it is and the reach that Instagram allows is truly phenomenal too and I think I think that helps too you know just spread spread it all so what's what's like a common day at ELW look like work-wise? Yes. So I do, I, um, every morning I wake up and I am a no morning routine person. I, my friends laugh at me because I can get out of bed and within five minutes be in the car, like on my way to a workout or something. I normally, I try to work out like Monday through Friday. It doesn't always happen, but I try to work out in the morning because I know how it makes me feel and it makes me feel good now. Um, so whether that's going to a class or going for a run, um, and then I will come home, shower, make and eat breakfast. Some mornings I'm like, okay, it's always funny. Cause like on a morning that I want to post my breakfast on Instagram, I'm, I spend like way more time than me just like throwing together a quick bowl of oatmeal or something that I prepped overnight. Um, but I'll normally, and then I post like every morning at like around like nine 15 ish. Um, and then I like try to like, stay on Instagram for a little bit, answer some comments, answer any DMS that I have. Um, but then I basically try to put all the electronics away by like 10, um, and get to work because whether that's, I do, I do batch days. So either I'll do like three recipes in one day or I'll do like all computer work in one day. So I try to, it also helps me like keep me sane because then it's like, all right, so I have like a cooking day on Monday and Wednesday and then like a computer day on Tuesday and Thursday. And I take all my calls on Friday or something like that. Uh, but I've found that like that has been really helpful to me. So if I'm in a cooking day, I try to plan it around the sun because I shoot in overcast um, natural lighting. So finding days that it's not too bright sunny and not too dark and rainy. So sometimes I have to swap, swap my days around, but um, I do all my recipes and then I'm normally done by like four um, and then I'll get on to answer emails and, um, I'll take a break in there to eat lunch at some point. And then right now I just moved in with my boyfriend. So he'll come home and we'll just hang out at night, which is awesome. I try to put away electronics. It doesn't always happen, but I'm trying to be more present with him, just especially since we just moved in too. So I want to make sure that he's not like, Oh my gosh, she's always on her phone. Um, so, but then we'll like watch some sort of TV show. I'm a reality TV junkie. 
um, he's slowly learning that. So we're watching Bachelor in Paradise and all of that stuff right now. Uh, but then I normally will make or make dinner or um, I try to also like eat a recipe, maybe eat a recipe that I had from the day or have something that I had in my fridge um, from earlier in the week. But then I'll just go to bed. And I honestly, my, everything has been like changing a little bit recently, but I mean like that's pretty standard for an Aaron Lives whole day between like recipe development and lots of computer work contracts and brand stuff. I love it. And that batch working, I really need, I've tried, but I swear every time I schedule a computer day, it is the perfect overcast day for cooking. (laughs) And every day I try to do cooking and photograph some things that sun comes out and <laughs> I know I know whole plans <laughs> I can't tell you how many times while I was living at home before I moved back to the city and my mom's like my mom's like oh my gosh I've never heard someone say I hate the sun more than you I'm like I'm sorry I need an overcast day no I'm the same way I used to be like the biggest sun junkie I wanted it out all the time and now I I haven't been able to photograph anything for like a week now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I was like, oh, it's too sunny. She's like, I have never heard anyone complain like that. Well, do you ever feel like overwhelmed with the amount of work you have to do? Or do you feel like what you do is, I guess, like just right for you? Like, do you, do you feel like you've got a good grasp on being like a one man show for how vast and, you know, growing Aaron Lives Whole is? Um, right now I've been a little bit, a little bit overwhelmed. Um, I, in addition to doing my Instagram, I really, my end goal for Aaron Lissell is to really have a blog and a website that thrives. Um, and that, I love the Instagram part of it. I will always be on Instagram as long as it allows me to. And, but that's not my end goal. It's not to be an Instagram influencer. It's to be have a blog that people can type in on Google healthy banana bread. And I'm not on the 39th page, but I'm on one of the first four pages. Um, so I've been, a, I've been doing a lot of work on trying to make sure all, all of my recipes go up on my website. Um, and it's a lot. And I'm trying to, it's, it's like a lot. Cause you want to have like, I'm trying to learn like search engine optimization and I'm trying to, and writing a blog post now takes me like anywhere between like seven to eight hours because I'm having to photograph, edit the photos. I use a real camera for like for my blog website. Um, so I actually am in the process of hiring someone part-time. Um, she's kind of from afar. So it's just going to be like a, like she's going to do a little bit of help with like blog writing. Um, and she helps me with some of my newsletters, but that's just a baby piece. Like I'd love to hire someone actually part-time to come help me, um, maybe a few days in the kitchen or maybe have someone help me with photographs. Um, editing. And so it's, I kind of have to put some feelers out there. I've thought about maybe doing it. I'm in a city with a lot of colleges. So maybe having an intern, college intern come help me. Um, but yeah, it's been really, it's been really overwhelming. And I've had days where I am so anxious. Um, so I've had to have some like serious anxiety relief practices. Um, whether that be like totally just like doing some meditation or doing some yoga. Um, I've been taking some sort of like natural supplements to help me with anxiety, but it's been a lot of work. It's a lot of work to be an entrepreneur because then at the end of the day, I, I'm my photographer, my chef, I am the blog writer. I am the brand manager. I handle contracts. I edit photos. I like, you know, I, no one is there to answer all of my emails. I have to create my Pinterest pins. It's, there's a lot of work that goes into this. And that's my favorite part is the cooking, you know? So it's like, I think that there's a time and place to definitely outsource some of your stuff. So I'm in the process of doing some more of that. And I I feel from all the business perspective, people I've talked to and listened to on other podcasts, bringing in other people is sometimes like the hardest thing for them because, I mean, once more, it's like loosening a bit of your grasp and on everything. But I I think it is, I mean, you are growing (laughs) insanely. And so I think, you know, that is like an important step to like take. And I mean, obviously like with time, it'll the right things will pop up into place as you know, it's like those type of things happen, but that's good. Yeah. yeah so it'll, I hopefully maybe if, if you talk to me in a year from now, I'll have like a couple little people yeah. working for me, you know, your little team. Yep. I would love to one day. Aww. Well, where we'll, we'll finish this and then we'll, I just have three rapid fire questions, but okay. where can people find you at and see your amazing recipes and just 
hear your inspiring words every day. <laughs> Thank you. I need to keep you in my pocket. You're my little hip girl. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram at Erin Lives Whole. Um, and then also that is the name of my blog as well. So you can just www.erinlivesholl.com. And those are the two areas that I am most active on. And they will be linked below because I'm obsessed. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Okay. So rapid fire, just to wrap things up, what is one thing that has made you smile today? Uh, my girlfriend just came over for coffee and I hadn't seen her in a while. And so she, I was like a oh, Friday at 10 AM. And I was like, normally I, I'm like, I have to work. I have to work. And this is rapid fire. I'm talking a lot, but I'm um, just hanging out with her for an hour chatting over coffee, which was great. Oh, I love that. <laughs> if you could meet anyone past or present, who would it be? Oh, um, I would probably meet, is it past or present? Um, can I say Taylor Swift just because her new song came out and I love her and I've loved her since 2005 and she is my one, I don't know. I'm just very inspired by her and I think she's a good woman entrepreneur. Um, and that's inspiring to me. Yeah. She's, I mean, say what you she's want the, about her. But she's she's, really, she, yeah. She's got the, she got the singing down, which I love. She's entertaining, but then I also think she's a smart businesswoman. So she, she is. I think she is one of those people you stereotypical, like you wouldn't think she's, Oh, so smart. But like some of the things I've read, you know, from her and stuff, I'm like, I think that woman has a brain that we yeah. do not even understand. <laughs> I honestly think so too. What is one piece of advice that you would just want to scream from the rooftops for all to hear? I would say that put your work away and go have fun. Um, too, too much hard work doesn't make you a better, like a, like a, like a, make you more money, you know, find a balance. And that's, that's the best life you'll live. Amen. Yeah. When I work too hard, I wind up on an Instagram black hole feed binge. So yep. <laughs> I hear you. let's, let's practice more fun in our lives. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I've just been smiling this entire time because you're just, you're radiant. So thank you for coming on and sharing so much. I know people will relate to this and take something away. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Erin is such a just radiant person. We were chatting for so long before and after the recording until finally we had to part ways and I just... I feel as though I made an actual friend in her, and hopefully someday I will be to the Philadelphia area. I'm not too far from her, so we will see. But until then, I hope you guys enjoyed this, found something to relate to, took something away from it, any little snippet of advice, inspiration, education that you can carry into your day-to-day -day life, or maybe use to help someone else around you. Sharing is caring, after all, and on that note... If you liked today's episode and would want to share it on your story, you can tag Erin at Erin Lives Whole and myself at Thrive on, oh, Thrive underscore on life. I love seeing your shares, any messages you send, and as usual, if you would like to leave a rate and review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Sometimes it can be a little tricky, but I promise if you give it a go, just a minute or two of your time, it would mean so much to me, especially as I try to get some very particular guests that I think you guys would absolutely love to learn from, more in the educational sphere of things. So without much more rambling on my point part, I know today's episode was a longer one, but it was just so good, I couldn't cut it short. Hope you guys enjoy your day. Let me know your thoughts on this episode, and I will see you next week. Bye.